following podcast contains three mates talking shit over some beers. As you can imagine, the language can get a wee bit hairy from time to time. So, get involved. Grab a beer and join us for Drunk Therapy, the podcast. Deal. I've got a confession to make. What? I'm so drunk. (laughs) I feel like I I almost caused this because after weeks and weeks of absolutely ripping you to bits, in fact, one of my friends said, I love the podcast, I love how you're the cunt, and I'm like, am I? Mm. I didn't know that. So, mate, be you. You know, live yeah. your best life. I don't, I'm trying to be woke as fuck, but just do what you want to do. I like it when you're drunk, but so it's fun for me. Three weeks ago, I turned around and said, no, the facade and all that. But do you know what? Genuinely, I, I love being drunk. It's I fun, eh? Oh, yeah. You're and dancing you, so much better. Because I knew I was going to be drunk, I invited someone that I, I've got a lot, a lot of time for. I listen to other podcasts as well. That's the reason why I do this. And there's a guy called Sean McDonald who does a really good podcast called Blurred. And because we've interviewed a few people in these podcasts now, I thought, do you know what? When you interview someone, it's a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of an effort. And uh, I thought, I'm going to bring this guy in. He can just have a laugh with us, get drunk and just chill and have some conversation. And I'm really, really happy that he's here. How are you doing, Sean? What a beautiful introduction. Yeah, that I'm was very good. Nice. Thanks for having me. You don't need to answer any questions unless anything pops into your head and it's not going to be an interview. You can just say whatever's on your mind. Magic. First thing on my mind is... We're like five beers deep And I've not eaten it in the day That's me just If I say anything I'm therefore relinquishing all responsibility For any mental shit that I might say You're in the place that I'm in At the start of all the episodes Because I kind of I look at myself in the mirror and go Mate, you're gone You're steaming Yeah, how are you going to put words together? But it'll work itself out Just drink the beer and join the laughs It's a a good game Fun game It's a very Glaswegian thing though Because you could do anything You could do anything And if you go (laughs) But I was fucking steaming Everybody will go, oh, what are you like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's cute and endearing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, we tried that excuse with that polis that was in earlier. And we were like, I went, oh, I'm fucking steaming. He's like, no, you still get lifted for that. Like, <laughs> yeah, you still just can't just like, murder people like that. Still don't against push the rules. anyone off a it's bench. More, it's more on the periphery of like offence and hurting people's feelings. It's like, oh, I was fucking steaming. Ah, but people, I'd like to think, drink as they listen. They definitely don't. People oh, there's, listen there's on There's a the guy tube. called Kenneth Bird that shows us all his empties, more or less, every time. And I, I've got a love... I got a lot of love for Kenneth because he's basically the first ever person that listened to this podcast. It's mm. funny because you can hear the difference in you presenting now that you've got a drink in you. No, no, I love oh, Kenneth. Kenneth's Kenneth's a good yeah. Kenneth, let me tell you something. I'm going to send you some of my undies because I love you, Kenneth. I fucking love you, man. Right, so Kenneth, Kenneth is the first listener. He's from Australia, though. He had no reason to right. listen. Ah, he's a Kiwi, he though. He's a Kiwi. Yeah, true. I've got a question. If he's the first listener, who's the other guy? <laughs> Basically our, our family members <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean My gran will listen to this Oh good gran need more f- grands <laughs> My gran's like a focal point Of the Like all the intros I do I'll say stuff like Welcome to Blyler Blah 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 Gran Roll yourself a massive joint Get your feet up <laughs> And she fucking loves it And she also takes cannabis oil For her arthritis So technically she is Kind of rolling a joint <laughs> let, let me ask you this Is that Is that your last grandparent? Uh, no So I've got I grew up uh, just me and my mum, so I've just got the one side of the family. Uh-huh. Um, so I've I've still got both, and they I love them so much. They, they took my granny and grandpa, but my grand listens. My grandpa doesn't. He can't really get his head around it, and I can't be fucked explaining it to him. <laughs> it's a podcast. Aye, it's a radio, like, but different. Aye, he's like, he goes, "Is that the radio?" And I'm like, "No, podcast." Aye, it's a radio. <laughs> <laughs> Name music, but it's a radio. The, the reason I asked that is because every time that anyone mentions their gran or grandpa around me, I hear it as well, by the way. I hear the difference in me well, talking. I fuck, it's evident. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stop drinking. Um, <laughs> but every time someone mentions their gran or granddad in front of me, I just go, oh, that's nice. All mine are dead. See, but- <laughs> <laughs> like yeah but he, he gets you once with good. it but he, he'll use it for you <laughs> exactly good <laughs> yeah what exactly are they fucking right. it's a less strain on the NHS isn't it <laughs> like, you know oh, what I mean? like we've heard it so much that it's no longer shocking it's at just... least one of my grandparents was good oh well, good good for them who gives a fuck <laughs> yeah. who cares? grandparents get old and they die no offense Sean you're, you've got grandparents Hug them, cuddle them, and tell them that you love yes. them because one day they'll be dead. One day and you'll be, be dead. dead. We'll all be dead. We'll like, all be we're fucking all... dead. I heard someone say it really fucking awesomely last night, right? They were like, as soon as we're born, we're dying. Yes. If you get sick, it's just happening faster. Just live your life. Do what you're going to do. Do what you're always doing just because you're always I, dying. 
Like, like, you're fucking uh, at, like, a convention last night? <laughs> yeah, Tony Robbins <laughs> fucking... Yeah, you're not. It's, it's, it's really true, though. Yeah. Like, you're, go- you're going to die. You're mm. on your way to death. Each day, you're slowly dying on a massive rock that is also dying through space, which is either expanding to the point that it's going to die, I don't know. Or exploding or doing yeah. something weird. You know what? Don't, nothing is big enough or significant enough to really bother you that fucking much. Right, now you say that, you why die. does it, though? I think because... Right, I think we maybe focus in on the small things, or maybe we all look at our shoes, but your man Oscar Wilde said, we're all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. Take from that what you will. It's one of those things, because you just live your life, so you get the small things that make up your life are so much more important. Like, for example, like, I'm looking for a fridge at the moment. Jesus, I love fridges. How much have you thought about fridges, you guys, in the last month? Like You're obsessed with fridges, that's all you've spoken <laughs> Just always fridges, eh? 24-7 fridge chat with Shane. You want an American fridge that gives you water? I, I honestly, mm. I didn't expect this to turn into fridge chat. I was just thinking, like, you know what I mean? Like, you also want a import- fridge big enough to hide that body that's <laughs> Chest freezer, mate. Chest freezer. We've already got, one. We've already got a body freezer. Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What kind of person would store a full body... In you a freezer, up, everybody knows you cut it up. Yeah, yeah well, you, you put it in <laughs> the <laughs> pigs. If, if Jeffy Dahmer taught us anything, it's that you chop them up any bits. Let's Bye. ask Sean the question then that we ask everyone: How would you get away with murder? Um, we had a police officer asking this or answering this a few episodes ago, and I know. It's, it's way easier than you'd expect. But I'd like to hear how you'd do it. If the police came to my door and said, "Hello there, we'd like to speak to Sean McDonald in relation to a murder," I would say. Lo siento, pero no sabes cuál es esta persona. Yo no, yo no soy Sean y yo soy de Barcelona, España. And how would you respond, Danny, being a man that's lived in Catalonia? Is uh, the same. Is a uh, key. <laughs> <laughs> I would just say that. I've just played them. I had an audition for Scott Squad. My pal Joe Hullet uh, is a writer, creator of Scott Squad, and I had a, an audition, and that was my act. That basically I was going to be a petty thief in Royston. Yeah, and any time the police stop me, I would just be like, "Kid on as a Spanish tourist." <laughs> My favorite thing about Scott Squad is that Joe Hullet is an Englishman. I know, I know. <laughs> he's but succinctly captured the Scottish mentality like, so well. But the thing is, Joe was actually born up here. Really? If you listen to Blethered, um, my podcast. Which we're talking oh, you're on a podcast? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Joe, we had, had two parts with Joe. Joe is a, the best cunt ever. He's, he's a great guy. Yeah, I'd say cunt. Yeah, I'll oh, drop the right, C-bomb whenever you can. Um, oh, Joe's a great guy. And uh, he talked about it. And he, he, you know, he the first part of his life, he lived up here. And all his family are Scottish, feel like Greenock. So what does he identify as, Scottish or English? Uh, I think, I, I genuinely think he identifies more as Scottish. But if England were in the semi-final of a World Cup... He's obviously got his English identity. You listen to the podcast and I think he talks about it towards the end. Where he's like, he, he does... He's got the same humour as us. He's a Celtic support. He supports West Ham. But me and him and Darren Connell went to Celtic Valencia. He's also like Celtic. Um, I would say he's more Scottish. Is he at that level? So my favourite thing about being Scottish, like my fucking favourite identity of Scottishness is that we can collectively sit here and go, aye, we're shite at football, like, we're just terrible, we'll never qualify for the World Cup and we'll laugh about it. But see if an English guy says it and goes, aye, you're a shit at football, but like, I'll fucking stab you, aye. I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> so see at that level where you would let him away with that kind of part? Aye, 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 yeah, that's a great way to put it. I would let him away with it. Because um, I see him as being Scottish, but just with a, a sort of English accent. So he's Rod Stewart? You know what? <laughs> I've been a fan of Rod Stewart all my days, but see this past year, me and Rod Stewart have finished. Ooh, Might I explain does why? Does he know that? He'll know that when I take his jaw clean off <laughs> next time I see him. Why don't you, just for a second, imagine our listeners are Rod Stewart and tell us, or tell them, why you're finished with Rod Stewart. Rod, the reason I'm finished with you is you purport to be a Celtic man and one of us, but then you said you really admire Theresa May and that you, you love the Queen. Um... You know, if you want to love the monarchy, that's fine. That ain't for me. That ain't my thing. Um, and being a Celtic supporter and, and for what Celtic is and stands for and to then say that you you admire Theresa May and you think she's fantastic after Grenfell, amongst everything else, I'm, I'm not having it. Um, he is completely playing on the emotions of people by singing Grace, um, a song about Grace Gifford and Joseph Plunkett and the... The Irish Revolution in 1916. Those two things do not go together. 
So I, I'm not fucking having you. I, you've, just, in, you've just landed Shane in a lonely island. No, like, no, no. I'm in the same boy. place because Wait. what Rod Stewart did was he came to New Zealand, right? And he took Rachel Hunter from us. So, uh, um, is she big, Kiwi? She's a Kiwi. I did yeah. not know that. She By the way, this Rachel is Hunter. not the same place. I'm just, I'm just acknowledging this whole thing because what he said was a, a, uh, a really it's similar, beautiful story. It's all along the same vein. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> he came to New Zealand. He took a young, good-looking lady off the market. You know, my dad taking a Kiwi is on a par with fucking. Deride and let the Republican movement Ireland. You're, yeah. you're right. Aye. You would have a stretch. See, before I forget, and I practiced this last night, I can do a good impression of Kiwis because I had in Barcelona Kiwi pals. All right. And they were the majority of our group. South Island or North Island? I don't know. They, they sound they the same. from near Christchurch, wherever that is. They're, I'm from Christchurch. So if they're from near Christchurch, it means they're from a shit place. Right. Okay. That they're not proud South of. They're <laughs> shit. That's so funny. Like, because they difference in the accent so there's a place in Barcelona called Razmatas yeah and they'd be like um, we're doing the beach and we're going hey Sean <laughs> you got a raise tonight and I'm like what 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 you're on the raise at raise mate <laughs> you're going to raise and then there's this thing like and I've heard you saying it in other, like other podcasts like don't get me wrong Scots do it as well where the, the perfect English pronunciation of a vowel you like change it yeah so a like a like raz becomes R-E-E-Z, like Rees, you gonna Rees? The thing about Kiwis sure. is, we, is we don't have different vowels. So like, for example, come here sounds the same as I can't grow here and I can't hear you. Like I, people give me aye, shit all the aye. time. So I'll be talking about, oh, we're on the beers. And they're like, what animals that you will saw eat you? And you're like, no, no, no. We're drinking the beers. Like, it's n- and people go, oh, does that not get confusing? Fuck no. Because if I was running away from an animal with claws and a fucking furry body chasing me and I went, oh, fuck a beer. Don't throw me an actual drink. I I mean, help me from this fucking animal. It's like S- speaking of bears. Do you know who's terrified of bears? Is it is it Rod Stewart? <laughs> <laughs> if it is, I'm going to fucking hire one and set it loose on his fucking ranch. Uh, no, I'm da. We did a quick fire game, right? I'm going to say people or things, and you tell me whether you could smash them or not. So the first one, I said Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and then he's like, Nah, can you smash him? And then. I said Celtic captain Scott Brown, which he he laughed at and he's like, no, but I would get Dwayne The Rock Johnson, my boy, to back me up. And the reason I asked that is because he said, I I don't know if he said it to somebody in the press, that he would like to take Scott Brown a square goal. That was a big press story a few days before. Aye, the press ran it and then he was getting pelters off Celtic fans, so he's looking at me like, you fucking bastard, I can't (laughs) even ask that. And little does he know that Dwayne The Rock Johnson's a member of the Green Brigade, so... Ah, I know. know And uh, then the next... So the next next one was a small to medium-sized bear that's not yet reached its full bear capabilities. And he said, nah, he's like, the bear would kick fuck at me. So I was like, well... What about then a fully grown bear that has reached its full bear type capabilities as a result of several years living in the wild? And he was like, nah, I can't be, be there by that. So, do you think you could beat a bear? I think I could outwit it because basically, I said, <laughs> what I said was, <laughs> right, if you think about it like a small to medium sized bear, that then insinuates that it's actually a yet but a pup. Yep. Whatever you call a bear, cub. 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 So, what I said was, you'd just be like, as if you're going to play with it, and then every bear's expecting you to play, and you're like, fuck you, yeah, you just <laughs> smash it in the ribs, like, take it out of your cunt. And that sounds like Glaswegian like arrogance. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, eight, eight beers in, like, I could well kick fuck at this bear. Easy. <laughs> and it's, and it's <laughs> da. I can bring his da. Bring your fucking yeah. uncle and all your. Do you think Mike Tyson. Like, in all seriousness, do no, you think no, no, Mike Tyson could beat up a full-grown beer? Yes. Nope. I've listened to Mike Tyson talk about this, and he said no. Did he? Uh, yeah, Mike, Mike's just been, been humble, modest. though. The thing about Mike Tyson now is Mike Tyson has reached a point in his life where I've read his autobiography, and me, I've listened me, to a few things, and there's a lot of outside influences that uh, really affected his ego for years, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to get involved in any of the boxing shit, mm-hmm. and he, he knows that he wouldn't fuck around with a bear, because a bear is <laughs> a lot more powerful, at and he doesn't height, want to get involved. At his height, maybe not now, but prime Mike Tyson, when he was really angry, when yeah. Custom Matter was feed him that stuff about you need fucking stick it to these people. I think at his prime, Mike Tyson could kick a bear's content. Oh, hardcore. Like, if he got, like, say you gave Mike Tyson, and the beer doesn't know it's in a fight. So, it's not a fair fight, but a Mike, Mike Tyson's walking up pumped. He's making eye contact. This beer's kind of doing its beery thing, looking for salmon and shit. Yeah. He gets up to this beer, and he just does this the mad combo. He'd fuck the beer up. Like, the no, beer, if you no, want to go... N- not even you, once, ever. Yeah, no, he would. And if he says anything otherwise, he's being the, humble. The One strength, punch in that bear's no, out the, cold. The, because he wouldn't get it. The, 
trying pound for pound and the the speed the bear would beat him. Yeah, but have, is there any like well well known cases? Is there any known animals that like aren't sloths that are slower than humans? No, but like you've got bears that are just living their life and just maybe like looking at the wallpaper and going, "That's nice wallpaper." Yeah, then Mike Tyson starts fucking punching. Well, think you. about this. You win. If you're right. Mike Tyson, you're going to knock out a, a cow, at least, a bear on a good day. So, oh, something that hunters do is they approach, or they go hunting on bikes. And the reason for that is that animals such as deer and other ones are usually the prey of the predator. Yeah. But other animals as well, they're sort of now programmed or evolved to to identify like things with two legs walking towards them or coming to get them and perceive it as a threat. So and see they hear the footsteps and yeah, they know that ex- sound. Exactly. But if it's coming on a bike, then it's not very easy for them to identify. Now, if Mike Tyson... And also, they can't really see things. They can just see, like, sharp movement. So yep. see if Mike was to cycle up slowly and then just jump off his bench. <laughs> jump off the bike. Kapow, like... I'm with you. I reckon yeah. Mike Tyson's smashing a bit six days fucking out of seven. Heat up. <laughs> I'm just um, James is Googling it. This what, what is Google this told is an you? Actual fight analysis, right? But <laughs> bears can run more than sixty kilometers an hour, and they can do it up hills, down hills, or along a slope. But do they? To put that in perspective, they twice as fast as we can run. Bears will fuck us. No, up, but man. bears aren't doing that. Like bears don't know that Mike Tyson's jumping off a bike and punching him. He's got the element of surprise. He's got some really strong let's, punches. Let's Thanks. just leave Mike Tyson alone. <laughs> let's tag just, him in this. I've just I tweet that the, by bears you don't mean Rangers fans. You mean the actual. I just thought he's meant Mike Tyson versus Rangers fans <laughs> for the last ten minutes here. That, but I'm ways now. That we, would aye. be a mismatch. Aye. Aye. So, can we talk about that? I love using that part. I always like. Staunch er- bears. Early night for this bear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. Like shower in bed for this bear tonight. Yeah, man, Copy that, fellow bear. Let's get night. this I'm thing going. Happy bear and my bear cubs. <laughs> or bearette. Their wife's yeah. a bearette. <laughs> bearette. <laughs> See when they call each other fellow bear. I imagine like two massive, bald, muscly, hairy guys like cuddling each other. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, thanks for getting me a bovril fellow bear. But that's quite. That's what a bear would hate as well. Yeah, I, I don't. Know what the there's fuck no disguising that there's no Rangers fans <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> Sorry to all our Protestant listeners right now. Farewell. Yeah. Sean, Thanks a lot to you. Sean, you're 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 pretty good on Twitter, right? Like you've got how many followers have you got? Uh, I don't know, like over seven thousand. Over seven thousand. Like a man that gets asked. Ah, he, he's he knows, he's like, oh, he's gonna act yeah, like no, ex casual, ex casual. Tell you what, right? And it's obviously it's really low. Last week it was like six thousand eight hundred. But today it's 7,200. So it goes up a lot, and I think that's off the back of the podcast. Yeah. So if you were to name a podcast, you, you, you come up with something like Clever A, or like, you know, your mm-hmm. podcast, you, you're not you're coming up with, what's your podcast? Do you have a podcast Twitter, or is it just your own one? It's just mine. So I've got a Facebook page for it, yeah. um, which I thought was just good with suggesting credibility or legitimacy if it's got a Facebook page, but the Twitter is just me, because essentially the podcast is me. Yep. So it's just my Twitter that I use. We, we're called Drunk Therapy, right? So on, on Instagram, we're Drunk Therapy. On Facebook, we're Drunk Therapy. On Twitter, we couldn't get Drunk Therapy. So James thought of a really good alternative, the rapey drunk. Nah, <laughs> really that's... By saying it as outlandish as that, it suggests there's malice. It's therapy drunk. tried to go for therapy drunk, and someone pointed out it was the rapey drunk. <laughs> the rapey drunk is the drunk. worst fucking... But... Even even the way we, <laughs> we have it right now, it's like drunk the rapey. <laughs> well, yeah. the rapey. No, but therapy is a word. The rapey drunk is a sentence that is not what you want to be no. associated with. It's no, like the, do you remember when <laughs> Su- this whole thing started when Susan Boyle released a uh, you know, new album? Susan Bum Party. Wait, I, I honestly, I've never heard of this. What? Wait, so Susan, I'm writing it down. So Susan, Susan Boyle released an album and a record label put out a, a promoted tweet for the launch of it saying yep. hashtag Susan album party and very quickly people pounced on the fact that it actually reads as Sue's anal bum party <laughs> <laughs> and very very quickly the hashtag was removed from the internet the does not miss a fucking trick does it <laughs> but, but Sue trying to have an anal bum party so, is like where are all the people that were coming to this and then <laughs> the three of us when we created like launched the social media and stuff James made therapy drunk no one thought anything of it and as soon as 
I, I can't remember who it was. Was it Bambi? Chris uh, Eats? It was Chris Eats. But pointed out that it reads as the rapey drunk. <laughs> we all went, ah, That's like, one, what's the name of those tests where they show you like blob ink blots yeah. uh, what do you see and it's like, what you see is basically a glimpse into your mind <laughs> <laughs> the rapey drunk this is something I was talking to you earlier about Sean I deleted my Twitter a few years ago for reasons I won't go into now um, but at that time I just kept saying to everyone Twitter is dead and then I come back on the platform and it's fucking booming and there's these little tribes everywhere like Scottish patter it seems like every cunt is famous now on Twitter um, for just posting stuff that was in my head growing up when I was in the scheme. And you're Twitter famous. What's that like? First of all, I, I, I get what you're saying, but I cringe deeply at that. And there is an element of truth to it, but more of a infamy as opposed to a fame. Um, I don't know. I think sometimes things just do fragment and, and sort of segment themselves. And Scottish Parter is so unique and specific even yeah. to the region like we were talking earlier about people in Aberdeen and all that hey imagine he and a coin like what the fuck what does that mean yeah. even in Edinburgh and stuff like maybe what I mean by that is like you when I came back on Twitter it was like you Paul Doc Chris McQueer a few others rhyming off my pals yeah well but that was it there was these influencers on Twitter and you're looking at it and you're going influencers only exist on Instagram mm-hmm and then you come back and you're like, does patter influences on Twitter? I well, we essentially started the thing, which was, because I, I would tweet like, oh, I'm coming back to Glasgow from Barcelona for a few days. DM me if you want your cunt kicked in. And that kind of, then people are started saying that and stuff. And I don't know, it become like, we all started saying it. That's just a wee daft thing. I don't know. We just kind of say things like that. I've had it leveled at me that I calculate what I'm saying. Something comes in my mind and I'll tweet it because I think it's funny. Or yeah. like, because I want to see it. I don't know. I don't know how that happens. But well, someone says I'm going to knock someone out on Twitter. What does that mean? I just thought it was quite funny. You know how it's like, I think it kind of started, um, there was somebody in Love Island that said, um, going out for dinner tonight, not doing any meet and greets though. And I just remember thinking that is, so I kind of satirise things. I'm like, that's so fucking cunty. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. shut the fuck up. Yeah. And so I actually like, go out for dinner tonight. Let me know if you want fucking knocked out. And I don't think that's just kind of where it came from. I remember um, somebody said, some female author said something like, um, five years ago, I told my then boyfriend that I was, I wanted to become a best-selling author. And he told me I would never get there and to get real. Today, I got my book signed off and I thought that's great but then I just saw that and thought what is that like that formula of like presenting something so I said like five years ago I told my girlfriend I wanted to go for my dream job and she told me I never would a year ago I applied for it they just got back to me and told me no chance <laughs> right so I thought that was quite funny something had a fucking pop and was like oh my god just let people enjoy things and I was like <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I was just trying to denigrate anybody, like have a hard time, like give them a hard time. I just thought that formula, because there's always, there's often like a formula or something. You know how like that whole, yeah. um, it's like no one, and then it says nothing. And it's like JK Rowling, Dobby murdered John Benet Ramsey. It's like, there's formulas of part, like structures of part. So maybe the question that I'm now asking is, is Twitter real? Or is it just a place? I've seen it. I've seen it in a few places. But is Twitter the place where you just go and you expand on the most comedic personality that you've got? Yes, Twitter is where I go to sometimes document the most arbitrary thoughts that go through my mind and I catch myself and go, shut the fuck up, nobody cares. But it shouldn't be substantiated as who you are. No, absolutely not. Like, how can you condense who I am and what I care about and my principles and my values into 240 characters? You can't. It should be looked at as something that is a little glimpse into a part of your mind. And anything that I share I write is because either I think it's funny or I think it's pertinent to something that's going on. But basically, it's just part of Don't look... It's not it's no any more than that. It's a funny thought, isn't it? But I like how James is like then started this big Twitter chat because he came up with the rapey drunk. <laughs> he's, he's just like, guys, I know Twitter. Like, let, let's me ask all these questions about uh, Twitter. Would you ever use the phrase and like you're saying, I'll knock you out of your trainers or whatever? Like, it's like, it, I love that. That's my favourite. I'll Would punch you, you right out your trainers, you cunt. 
I <laughs> dare you to use them. I don't know if you guys got this, but in New Zealand, this was huge, especially when I was seven or eight. Smell my cheese. Yes. <laughs> and that's... someone will go to smell your cheese and you'd punch them in the nose. Yes. Like, Where uh, the mom, fuck invented how that? How does that part of travel around the world? <laughs> my mum used to say that to me. It's an Alan Partridge thing. It's a lot Alan Partridge. No, it's not an Alan Partridge. We never got Alan Partridge in New Zealand. I can assure you that British people know smell my cheese from Alan Partridge. Yeah, but it existed when I was seven before Alan Partridge. I'm not disputing New Zealand may have invented it. Let's bring it back a bit. Right, so smell my cheese was open the fridge, wasn't it? Remember that? Have a wee drink. Now, yes. we, we never opened the fridge. Oh, no, Did you ever do? Did you ever do? Open, open the fridge. There was a whole elaborate process. Open the fridge, have a can of coke. Mm, right. Have what some cheese. Smell my cheese. About? And then you did it. Did you ever have open daddy's panties? <laughs> <laughs> Where the fuck you know are you from? How funny you say that open daddy's panties, right? <laughs> I was just about to say to you, that is a very particular brand of child abuse. <laughs> now, you said open daddy's panties, so yes. Did you ever do, um, here's the church, here's, here's the, the yep. steeple, Never. open the doors and there's all the people? Yeah. In, in New Zealand, that one turned into a vagina. Yeah. It was a hand vagina, which is the most tricky kind of vagina to make. But let's, people let's, listening what? now would be like, "What? what? I that don't know how revolutionised my time as a young one." I can't remember how it worked. It was ended up like that, but it was just let's let's, let's nice. track it back to smell the cheese. The smell the cheese, just to um, just so anyone can imagine it, is when you put your knuckle on top of your hand and you say "smell the cheese" and then you punch them in the nose. And it's mm-hmm. it's almost like "smell my cheese" must have been a phrase that they kind of twisted around. Like people were just going around with actual cheese, going "smell my cheese," and then someone <laughs> went, "You know what? I reckon we could make a game out of this." <laughs> That's before you could walk up to people and go, "Mate, look at this guy just getting punched through a window <laughs> by a cyclist." <laughs> you had to, be, you had you to make your own it. fun, and it was like, and ah, oh, it's fucking it's shit. shit. But occasionally, if someone does it on a night out, I'll still have a giggle. They'll go, mate, there's something on your shirt. And then they'll just like bop you on the nose. <laughs> like, even as it's yeah. absolute shit chat. But I you've got to give it to them for just pulling out this fucking piece of 90s fucking yeah, prankery I, that, that's original, still relevant. The original part is where it all comes from. Like, when you say to somebody, oh, mate, you've got something on your shoe. So they kind of look at the heel and you go, oh, hello, sailor. <laughs> <laughs> the um, to kind of touch back on going back to like the Twitter and Scottish party and all that stuff is that we had this bizarre moment when I first just met you a couple of hours ago Sean that we worked for the same company when yes. we I've spoke before that I spent six months in Barcelona you've obviously kind of come and go between there I won't name the company because we're probably about to completely shit on them <laughs> but we're talking about the fact that when we speak Scottish it's like another language and people on yeah. online and on Twitter and stuff so how funny is the fact that you and I were allowed to teach little kids English in another country with this fucking language that we speak madness and I said to you earlier that Spain is about 50 or 60 years behind the rest of the modern world now you can attribute that to the fact that they were a dictatorship until I think I believe 1976 and they didn't have a democracy until 1977 because it took them a year to get their government in order when Franco died it is madness Um, this company basically would be in partnership with multiple schools in the region of Catalonia and the northeast of Spain, which is a, obviously top right hand corner of Spain, which is Barcelona and beyond. And they would put you in as in Catalan as an auxiliar de conversa. Mm, I was Con- say that's yeah, there as well, yeah, yeah, you knew that. It's a conversation assistant, and your job was to go into a school and to speak only yeah. in English in order to familiarise the kids who are learning English with how it sounds from a native speaker and also as a native speaker to point out the mistakes that they often make for example it's actually uh, pronounced quiche not quickie yeah (laughs) Um, the thing is as well is that you do that and I I went out there and I've kind of touched on it before in earlier episodes it's probably the most important thing I've done in my life was go abroad and do that thing but what I found funny was what you said there like point out the mistakes point out the mistakes and then see if like a 10 year old child can say something to me in English mm-hmm. that I understand no Aye. matter how fluent or correct it may yeah. be I am not going to say to that 10 year old child well actually you didn't speak in the past tense there <laughs> little boy so you're completely incorrect you're fucking so, dumb so, so <laughs> oh the, yes some of the stuff I had was that my, my first the, the school I taught in was aged from 2 to 2 years old up to 16 years old yeah and I would teach every single class. I would spend time with everyone. And one of the ones was a two-year-old class. And it was my first day. And they went like that. Oh, read a story. 
to like the children because mm-hmm. it's nap time now. So you're going to read a story. It's and they, they put these wee cunts in at school age two. Aye, it's yeah, mental, yeah. It? yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. just so they don't have to pay babysitters? But knows, mate, do you know mental. how much like childcare costs in the UK? Though I know some people that from the age of two or three are spending over a grand on childcare. Yeah, well, my That's sister's... Like, just give the kid a set of keys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I was young, we just worked with Dad on I the building site. Like, <laughs> it was like, yeah. two, get on the tools and pay your way. <laughs> but these, these two-year-olds, when they said to me, like, read a story in English, no one gave me a book. No one said, here's Goldilocks and the Three Bears, read that out. They just went read a story and I was like I, I, I don't know any stories and I'm not very I learnt this very quickly is that I'm not very good with children I dislike children me too so I opened up WhatsApp and read out so when I left Spain I was staying with a mate and my sister in the same house so I just read out our old WhatsApp conversations <laughs> in like a fairy tale voice I was like <laughs> And we need cat food. <laughs> Can someone please bring in cat food? Who's cooking dinner tonight? Because no one I has a clue. I was so over that I shat all up my back. <laughs> the thing about WhatsApp as well, and this would come in really bad if you're reading it to kids, is it's primarily to send group chat porn. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's just a weird, like, I got sent a video the other day from a mate down in England that was just draining transsexual porn I didn't know until I started I clicked on it and, yeah. it, and it was downloaded to my phone like imagine explaining yeah, that to yeah. kids yeah, yeah exactly it's like now the man who's actually a lady with well it's a lady with man parts is making love to the other man yeah. weird, <laughs> weird place to go from teaching kids Aye. but um, to, it was kind of encounters like that and I loved the fact that you couldn't understand them and they couldn't understand you because mm-hmm. you could vent your frustrations as much as they could vent you. So did you ever say, I I had this kid and I hated this kid and he hated me and it was the only child that I disliked, but I would have to march him out of the class and take him back and he was about eight years old and as we were like marching across the, was it Pato was a playground? Pato. And I would go like that, mate, I'd fucking love to fly kick you in the face, you wee dick. <laughs> oh. Like, you're just a wee cunt. And you wait, can wait, say wait, that wait, to him, and he's never going to grass on you. We don't endorse hitting kids. Oh, I didn't actually no. do it. I just gave him a wee I, jab, like, not a fly um, kick. So I got placed with the 12 to 18. They went up to 18. That would be better. And I was only 22 at the time. And some of the stuff that the 16 to 18 year olds would say was mental. Yep. Mad, like the things I'm like, you will get me imprisoned. Yep. I'm just trying to do my job, but um, I now and again, like kids would come up and they'd just be getting on my tits, man. And I'd be like, oh my god, you be prick, I can't stand you. And like, and they had no idea what I was talking about to them. I could have been saying anything, um, but I actually got to asked to do they said, we teach us, teach the kids Scottish, so I did. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you then, I'll, I'll, I'll go into the detail of what I taught them but a few years later so I lived at Sagrada Familia for anybody familiar with Barcelona is in the centre of the city in a really busy part uh, and just beyond it in Gracia or uh, Eixample Adareta is the neighbourhood behind it and that's where I lived and I was walking up the street and I just heard alright ball bag what's happening <laughs> and I honestly was like stopped in my tracks turned around and it was a wee kid who I'd taught so basically I taught them like uh, Ball bag, what's happening? How's it going? How you doing? Who you talking to? <laughs> Rocket, weapon, like all oh, this part. And it, it, it stuck with them, which was fucking hilarious. The, the only three that kind of stood out for me was I deliberately taught the word pish because it's funny. And so kids wouldn't say pee, they would say pish. But there was two kind of inadvertent ones that I only noticed after. So for colours, I would say purple. And that's like a really unique thing, is the way we say. So you would hear like this little kid say the word purple, and it comes out in the thickest purple. Scottish accent because it's just purple. they're just impersonating it. Purple. And sex, sex and sex is another thing. So, so, aye, so I learned Spanish really quickly, and an example of how uh, Spain is way behind. So I'd never had. I did get a disclosure check that I had to pay for, but that was it. And uh, they basically entrusted me because I learned Spanish really quickly, so they entrusted me with teaching the curriculum, which was preparing essentially the equivalent of Spanish kids doing their hires for English. Um, but I remember one coming up to me and being like, uh, How do you say trip in English? So I was like, Trip? Okay, thank you. Gracias. Away. And he's like, When I was seven, I was on a trip with <laughs> my family. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, and that's when I learned that whole trip. You have to, like, soften it. 
So let me ask you this. You guys are very, very close to where you grew up, like maybe a mile. Yeah. Well, like then traditionally, then I'm sitting in a group of guys where I'm probably the only person that's sitting regrettably not having worked abroad, even though it's a massive desire. What drove you to do that? Two guys here that have worked abroad in Barcelona and then a guy that's came from New Zealand that's worked in the UK. Um, and I'll ask, I'll ask the Barcelona guys first, what made you want to go over to work well, in Barcelona? What led me to go over was that I was 27, I think. Was I 27? And I'd got, I'd started a job that is to this day is still the highest paid job I've ever had. And three months in, I realised I hated it. I did. Mm. The people were fine. The job itself was just awful. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And I signed up to do a TEFL course because I was like, I'm going abroad. I'm going to teach English abroad. This is it. So I started the TEFL course and then I went on holiday and I didn't go home from that holiday. I just couldn't face going back to that job. So I just stayed on holiday and went, fuck it. That's, this is it. But the problem was, is that, that company that I worked with then sent a letter to say, you was like £600 in unpaid holidays. So I then had to come back and in a panic was like, I'm fucked. I, I don't know what to do. And this company that Sean and I worked for were advertising on Gumtree. Yeah. And there was like little to no. And I, I think I'd done a Skype interview. Aye. And they were just like, cool, that's fine. But <laughs> in. And because it was a Catholic school I was working at, I had to sign a declaration to say that I wouldn't show off my tattoo at Cartman being crucified. That was like, <laughs> that was the only small print was do not show off your tattoo. Fine. Cool. And and that was what took me over. And like, as I've just said, it was the most probably important thing I've ever done because the money was awful, but the experience was incredible. Mm-hmm. And it also gave you the time to kind of clarify what am I going to do? Like if I don't like kids and I don't like teaching, what am I going to do? And that's what's led me onto the path that I'm in just now. Mine was a wee bit more long-winded. So I was working in corporate finance for the age of 21. I worked for an insolvency company. I was representing clients in the sheriff court. I was dealing with applications for uh, redundancy packages on behalf of companies with hundreds of employees. It was, a, it was a good job. It was good money. I lived in Lansfield Quay. I was getting out a lot in Glasgow, but I never left the wee bubble. So I lived in Glasgow City Centre. Yeah. I worked in Glasgow City Centre. Socialised in Glasgow. Everything I did was in town. And at that point, now looking back, it's funny, but I'd just turned 22 and I was like, I am wasting myself here because I'm not actually doing anything. It's either helping me grow as a person. I'm not, I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel happy. I feel like there's a lot of adventure happening in this planet and I'm missing out because all I'm doing is going out and getting steaming yeah. uh, in Glasgow. And I had that feeling for a while and just came to my head one day and I googled work abroad, saw the advertisement for CAPS, sent an email saying, can I apply? They got back to me and said, no, sorry, this is actually closed. Get back to us uh, in another year because you need to apply in a wee bit in advance. And I just sent a big long email saying, look, this is why you need to have me. Here's what I can give you. Please reconsider. And they got back to me the next day saying, as fate would have it, somebody just pulled out. We've got a waiting list of about 100 people, but your email was very passionate. Would you like an interview? Gave me the interview. Three weeks later, I'd signed off my flat. I'd left my job. Um, I was in Spain. I was in Barcelona. And for me, it was never about teaching English. I didn't give a shit, right, to be honest. Yeah. But I thought, I'll give it my all. I'll learn Spanish, which I did. I now speak it fluently. I speak Catalan. I speak French. I speak Italian. I speak a bit of Portuguese. Oh, I, sp- right, right. I speak Japanese. <laughs> but the point is, I was just like... I'll, I'll, I'll go out there and make something of myself because I felt as if I hadn't made anything of myself. Yeah. I felt as if I was winging it. Like, see, to be honest, I didn't give a shit about the finance job either. Yeah. I was totally winging it and I just thought, I kind of, I don't know. It's weird to have that sort of midlife crisis at 22, but I just was like, I was like, I have done nothing. And, and I felt as if I had a lot of potential. Yeah. And I thought, fuck this, like, I need to go and do something. And that's when I went out. And, I mean, the job was the job, and I worked hard at it, and I created a wee business doing translation and stuff. But it was mainly for me a foot into somewhere else. And if I now imagine or try and think about what my life would be like or who I would be as a person without having gone out there, yeah, it gives me cold sweats. Like, I could pass out with the anxiety of, of the thought of never having gone. I'm just so fucking jealous of the two of you guys, but it sounded like you both had powerful motivators that led you to make that decision. And um, by the sounds of it, you both experienced so much growth and cultivated a culture that you 
probably don't get from just staying in the goldfish bowl, as I like to call it, of your hometown. And there's probably some people that might listen to this podcast who are on the fence of whether or not they should take the chance and the leap. And I'll leave the final word to you, Shane, because you've probably taken the biggest leap out of everyone. I mean, halfway across the world to pursue your passion and career, and you've left a lot behind. Um, what advice would you give? Well, like to me, it was I'd always done the career thing. So every job, someone tapped you on the shoulder and said, "Look, this is your next job," and you kind of had to take it because there was only two companies that did what I did in New Zealand, and it was. You know, I wanted to come to the UK since I was 20, but you got the taps on the shoulders and it was a good opportunity. You couldn't turn it down, so it kept happening and it kept happening and it kept happening. And it got to one stage that I almost just had to pick up the balls and someone tapped me on the shoulder and I went, you know what, I can't. I'm fucking off to the UK. And it's a, a, it's like a New Zealand rite of passage. Same mm. with Australia. And you guys probably have the same thing on the other side of the world. But it was coming to London and... You're learning your trade in London and then you can always go back and earn twice as much in New Zealand. But to me, I went to London and went, fuck me, this place sucks. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like it's, it's famous as fuck. But like you earn, ah, I guess, enough money, but you're paying four times what you'd pay anywhere else in the world to live. Yeah. Like travel is so expensive and no one is friendly. Like, especially yeah. coming from New yeah. Zealand. Like, we'd probably one of the friendliest countries in the world. You go and buy milk and you end up talking to that lady for like 20 minutes about her kids and her grandkids and what they're doing in school and shit. Same as here. So like when I went to London, I was like, mm, like some people are cool. Yeah. But I just, to me, as soon as, as soon as I got the offer, I, I, and I had a girlfriend at the time, we broke up and I went, you know what? I want to go up north in Scotland. My, my granddad's from Scotland. My mum's like, proudly Scottish even though she was born in New Zealand but I was brought yeah. up with Scottish songs and stuff and I went you know what I'm, I don't think I'm Scottish but I'd love to go to Scotland and just see what it's about because everyone's like oh Scotland's beautiful Scotland is New Zealand but cold and it is and it's yeah. the people are sound as fuck people are so nice here they're the same uh, you know and you swap rugby with football and you've got the same country the only difference is the temperature, but the, the you've got world-class scenery, you've yeah. got world-class people, and you've just got a nice way of living. So that, to me, I've found, like, I'll go back to New Zealand, and I, I've always thought I'll live in New Zealand, but if you, you know, you might find the next best place in the world if you go for a go. You know, like, I went to London and didn't like it, but if you go and make the risk, go to Canada, go to the States, or do whatever you want to do, go to the Southeast Asia, go wherever you're thinking of going, you might find your new home and mm. you fucking love it. One thing I'd like to say is something that everybody needs to know or to, we all hear this concept, but we maybe don't take it into consideration because we're all so fucking hard on ourselves. We've all got different timelines. Just because I did something at 22 doesn't mean that's right for you to do it at 22. Now, if I had started a podcast at 22, I would have made a total ass of it because I wasn't ready. There's some people who started a podcast at 17 and they've done really well. Yeah. I was 28 when I started it. And, and my point is, you can do anything at any time. And if something feels right for you, then go and do it. And, you know, see if it doesn't. Or don't beat yourself up because you didn't start it straight away. Here's a fucking funny example. Colonel Sanders didn't start KFC until he was, like, beyond pension age. Yeah, that's <laughs> mental. Right, do you know what I mean? And there's so many of those examples that you can draw upon, whether it be business, creative things, arts, humanitarian. You know, there's no set timeline for anything. You can do anything at any time. And Mark Dallas was saying the same thing. He tried it. It didn't work. And then he gave it another nudge, and it did. So, like, don't give up on it. If it if it doesn't work, just put the put the love into it, you know. Because yeah, that exactly. was the, the thing about that I found that it was like he was quite happy to admit that he had this good idea. It didn't quite work. You know, I'm enjoying this stampede of fucking positivity. Yes. So I'm going uh, no, to keep it going. No, <laughs> you think I'm going to shit on it, but I'm not. But that fucking time abroad was what triggered me to go back to university and I'm hopefully in a few weeks time about to get my degree at 31 years old. Legend. So if you're not going to think, even thinking about going abroad and you're bored and you want to try something different, then Just you're never it. too old to try a different fucking career do change it, as well. You'll, you'll be dead one day. Exactly. Fucking Just love this. Fucking do it. Now, now see what I'm going to ask next is going to seem really simplistic. Because I love what you guys have said, but something that's been 
weighing on my mind as a conversation topic and I've not seen that many people since the last podcast to ask this to but do you prefer beer out of a bottle or out of bottle. a pint glass? Bottle. Out of a Next. bottle? Fuck off. Next question. No, that's no, no, not no, even no, a I'm... real answer. Like, like... Um, what are you saying then? <laughs> out of a fucking, like, 100%, 200%, like, nine days out of the week, I fucking, I'll take it out of a tap and a pint glass. Oh. Pint then, bottle then, can. We're drinking tenants at the moment out of a tent, uh, out of a can, and it's warm and it tastes like a bundle of ass. Thank but, like, you for answering my question, <laughs> making my <yeah>. point. But <laughs> out, out of the out of the tap, it's decent. It gives you a weird head, but it's, it's a decent beer, and hopefully they'll give us some free stuff. <laughs> I don't think tenants are ever going to give us some free stuff. But ah. down to the bare basics, it's bottle. At a bar versus a pint. And I balls go down better, man. Yes. So I would say if you can be, guarantee me a great pint with the right amount of gas and it's cold and it tastes good at a glass of black, give me it all day long, but I kind of get that guarantee. I'm a man who needs... I need guarantees and see where a bottle is guaranteed freshness every single time. <laughs> you sound like an ad for bottles. Yeah, that? <laughs> the right amount of gas. Just the, the, If it's chilled enough. See, I can that is to me is people who have just got low standards in their life. Nah, no one wants a can, but I, I, I like shit. See, I'll drink Krabby's out of the bottle and enjoy it. They don't have it on tap. Krabby ginger beer. That's oh, fucking good, eh? It is good. I went to a mad party in Miller Street, right? Just round the corner for you, not far for you. And uh, we drank everything. Everything. <laughs> and all that was left, this guy was like, I've got some Krabby's ginger beer. And I was like, fuck that. Drank it. Beautiful. Mate, in New Zealand, that is fucking famous. Like, it's, it's very expensive. In, in New sponsor, Zealand. They used to sponsor your team, Hibs. Oh, yeah, that team that I, when you say my team, it was like Canterbury Crusaders or the All Blacks, and you're like, Hibs, I was like, oh, that team that played that other game. I've I've got an issue, but very little issue with this, because Shane came from New Zealand June 2017, 2018. That's 2016. 2017. 2015. It was 2017. Recently. In the past eight years. In the past couple of years, every fuss that Shane has had, first gig, first football, genuinely every single fuss I've given you, I thought was building up towards you supporting my football team, and I took you to a Hibs versus Celtic game, but because I introduced you to Danny who's probably Hello. a way better person than I am more interesting you've decided to support his football team oh, no, the it's thing not because of me it's because he's all flat mate no no the thing is right I bought at a charity shop and, and I bought a, a Celtic top right at a charity shop it was a cool one it's an old school one right? what one was it uh, it was I can't explain. I have a particular affection. Uh, uh, maybe maybe touch. maybe three or four years ago. I remember, right? I remember the picture. It was the it was a yellow away top. It means so nothing to say, Magnus. Uh, Possibly uh, Virgil Van Dijk. Uh, Virgil Van Dijk. Uh, it said Magnus, but basically, I, I twenty fourteen. I wore this in a place on the way to Edinburgh. Like so, we were going from Glasgow to Edinburgh down to Newcastle. And we stopped at, at Morrison's on the way, and every person at the Morrison's looked like they were going to punch fuck me. Like, and the people were like small. Like, I could have had a fight with them, but like, they they looked like they were going to try and stab me. Like, even people at Morrison's looked like they were going to stab a, an Easter egg and then try and stab me I with love the Easter that. egg. I love that. See that hostility. <sighs> but the thing is, I don't want to get into a fight over a team I don't give a fuck well, about. Like, I don't mind them. I enjoy them, but see, I don't like football. Like, I, <laughs> see every single person who's not a Celtic fan. I could knock them out cold with one punch. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move away from the football and punching cunts chat. This is something I wanted to ask you, Sean. Uh, Anyone that's seen your pictures on social media knows that you're a good-looking guy. And one thing that you've tweeted about uh, recently is people catfishing your photos and using them on Tinder as your own. What the fuck's the story with that? Do you want me to go for the start? I try and condense it as quickly as possible so as not to bore people. See, back in Bebo days, this girl messaged me and she said, "Do you? this is 2008. Right, well, let's actually, before people switch off because they think you're a cunt because you're good-looking, you don't care about being good-looking, do you? No, not at all. Right, absolutely good, not. It doesn't good. mean anything. It's all subjective. Do you know can, what I mean? Like, can you exactly, put the mirror exactly. down when that, you say exactly that? Exactly. Yeah. I know. I'm like, Stop doing your eyebrows. People say things like that. It's, it's, I'm joking and stuff, saying, I'll repeat it. People say these things. It's subjective. Not everybody thinks that. Blah, blah, blah. 2008, this girl messaged me on Bebo and she said, do you know me? So I replied saying, like, as if, oh, did we meet when I was drunk? Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then she's like, no, 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 no. Just repeat this. Just to answer this question. Have you ever spoken to me before? And I said, no, not to my knowledge. And she said, someone's using your, your pictures on uh, some Bebo profile. Fucking so I clicked school. on it and it was like Craig 19... 
Rangers fan. Fucking hell. So she was like, he's sending me naked pictures. And this was in the days of MSN Messenger. And she said, I'll send you one. And I was like, that's not quite necessary. She said, no, no, I'll send you it. I recognised the bedroom in which this guy had taken this naked photo of himself from the night down. Because I knew... I had, I think I'd seen the photo in a girl's Bebo profile, right? Basically, the background, because it was very distinctive. I remember it to this day. It was like a two chest of drawers put together with loads of pictures on them and a the TV behind. And I was like, oh my fucking God. I Picture of the Queen. I, you know. <laughs> so there was that. And I was like, oh my God, that's fucking weird. This went on forever, for, for years. I, I had like um, big love to the gay community, right? No, 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 no hard feelings at all. But I had loads of gay guys messaging me, like, all right. George, your secret safe for me. And see, for like three months, I was like, what the fuck are these people talking about? <laughs> and I would reply, like, what are you talking about? And they're like, don't worry, I won't tell anyone. So this has this been a, a, quite a recurrent theme, right? Constantly people like making Facebooks and making Tinders and gay messaging things. And there's, there's still people out there. That, and this is just all your photos. Just my photos, right? And there's still people there to this day that think they've been speaking to me. And I'm, So I remember I get a message for somebody saying, oh, somebody's at a party saying, you're actually in a relationship with a gay man. And I was like, I'm in sp- I've been in Spain for nine months. Like, how would that be possible? Do you know what I mean? Long but distance. This person was catfished and believed he was talking to me. This is constantly so this is, going on. This is all digital communication. This is all digital communication. So get on and on. It just happens every few months. But in 2000 and uh, start of 2018, it got basically loads of people were like, wow, this person's really prolific on Tinder and on Instagram and stuff. Pretending to be you And I was like Okay I'll get it shut down That's quite weird But it got really sinister And to cut a long story short It got so bad That I had to speak to the police Because I Basically found out Who it was The police got involved The police tracked down Who it was They went to the guy's door They were Their their hands were tied With what they could do In terms of um, Prosecution Because in terms of criminality The law has not caught up with that type of offence because it's a very modern thing and the law in, ter- in a lot of places is very archaic but it dealt with a person a person shot yourself but the thing was he was conning young girls out of sending naked photos by Ooh. purporting to be me That's but then this is where it gets <laughs> really bad this is where it gets really bad I've got this person this guy's naked photos and I've got his phone number and all that I, used, I, phoned, I tried to phone him to be like what the fuck are you doing he wouldn't answer his phone um, and and I'm very dark skinned, and this guy's very white skinned. So I was like, "How the fuck are you claiming you're me? Like we don't look like the same person." Um, he was contacting young girls, girls that are underage, and that's why the police were involved. Uh, that's that's when it gets really sinister. That's fucked up, man. Does that make you want to retract every image you've got in social media and just take a step away from it to protect yourself? Nah, you can't like you can't do that now. Do you know what I mean? You need to just. We live in a digital age. If somebody's going to do these things, right, it's fucking annoying. But I'm not going to stop living my life because some weirdos doing that. You um, speaking of weirdos, <laughs> yeah. you live in a in a very distinctive bubble, and my mate Andy is in the same bubble. Yeah, he's a he's a good cunt. I think you're a good cunt. Thank you, mate. It's like you're genuinely like a just a sound human, but you are obnoxiously good looking. What is it like to be a good-looking dude that's not a shit cunt? I don't know. I don't consider myself. That's a, to aye, be that's like a that. weird question. It is. That's. It's a. I've never been asked that before. It's well, a cop I, I think it's a very important question. To if, ask. Yeah. if you were in my friend group, right, I would rip you to bits. So if we were out in the piss, right, yeah. we're in a bar, I get a slagged all the time. Oh, I'd be like, oh, for this old fucking handsome Sean over there, <laughs> or, or ask him about his abs, and we would just <laughs> use your co- like your assets as just an insult because oh yeah, you're not normal. Like you are a, a good-looking dude, and you're sure. a sound dude. Like you know what I mean? It's. I'm a, I'm a punch bag, a verbal punch bag for my pals. Like, good, I get, I good. Get, yeah, I get a hard time. Even my mum. I'm glad. I, I want your mum to just go. Oh, look Nobody at this gave me a hard thing time. Than my mum. <laughs> Let me ask you this though: Is it something that makes you feel bad when people go, "Oh, you're too good looking"? Blah blah blah. Nah, I mean, I, this will sound really disingenuous, and I'm, as if I'm bullshitting, but I'm really fucking self conscious about the way I look. What makes you self conscious? I'm self conscious about, about my teeth. Like, people compliment me on my teeth, right? And they say they're dead white and stuff. But to me, like, so when I was on TV recently, I was like, all I could say was, my teeth look fucking awful. I want to get Invisalign, uh, which I I say I want it. I am getting Invisalign. I'm, like, just about to get it. I feel really self-conscious about that. Sometimes I, like, I was so paranoid when the TV thing went out. I was almost begging for confirmation that I didn't look weird, that I come from a weird angle. I don't know. I mean, we just... Why? I don't know, we just all have these things. I'm hypercritical of myself. 
I don't know. I suppose we all have an inbuilt vanity, and I think maybe. Uh, and do you know what? So I've said in the podcast, in the most recent one, in the intro, that I still haven't addressed or spoken about some of my own issues. So maybe, to an extent, I feel there is an expectation of me to be a certain way. So if I feel like, right, I'm feeling a bit self-conscious here, do you know, are other people looking at that and going, oh, wait a minute, we got this guy all wrong? And I'm not saying it's a physical appearance is, like, the most important thing, but when people focus on it quite a lot, it's like... Fuck! Like, is are my cheekbones showing enough? Is my is my jawline prominent enough? And it, it it gets to me. Like, I sometimes feel like not to the point where it pure bothers me, but it's in the forefront of my mind. I, I'm self conscious about it. Well, do you know what? You spend so much time with other people on your podcast addressing their story, their insecurities, their mental health. Let us give you a platform right now to address yours. What is your biggest insecurity emotionally or physically at the moment? James just wants us to feel better about ourselves right now. I think <laughs> is essentially what's going on. If I talk about this, we'll use buy me beers in the public. I'm joking. Absolutely. Um, I'll get them. I want you. I want you to talk about everything, mate. This okay, is your so chance because you don't get that because you get everyone else. A chance. You know what? That's a good point because we do focus on other people. I think. I mean, so emotionally, one of my biggest insecurities or things would be that I am not. Um, let's just say I don't have the material trappings of success that one would expect from somebody that was doing well or or to be at a certain age bracket. Now, I've just given advice. And one thing I always drum in in the podcast is that we can all give advice, but when it applies to us, it's quite difficult to take that. Now, you can take that for a childlike perspective. Remember if you get hassle as a kid and your mum would go, it's just because they're jealous of you. And you would go, that's not true, that's not true, because you felt it so deeply, that insecurity and what somebody had preyed on or touched upon or whatever. But we then say it to other people, no, it's because they're jealous of you, because you shine so brightly that your fucking light uh, blinds these other people and, you know, they're trying to sort of dim you and whatever. So I'm quite aware of that, but I think it would be that the trappings of success, whether it's a mortgage or whether it's a car or whether, you know... Is that something you want? No, it's not even something I want. But I think there's a societal prescription that you should be to a certain way, and we're all very aware of that. Is that what you want? No, yeah, no, it's not what I want at all. It's exactly. So, someone of your influence, should you be pushing out that that's not societal I sh- pressure? I should be, and I do. Do you know what I do? Talk about it, and you know. But we, as much as I'm aware of something, I am susceptible to that because you know as it's something that's been it's been pushed on you for every single angle whether it's from radio media tv magazines you know other people i I, yeah instagram i look down instagram right and i'll look at all these people i'm like rolex dubai um (laughs) porsche range rover maldives it's all these things that people have, and you're like, would it make you happy? Though? No, it wouldn't it? It does not. You know, if, if what anybody, makes you, what makes Sean McDonald happy? Fulfillment is different to everybody else, but my fulfillment comes from connection with people. Um, that sounds like a really, I keep saying this, but a really wanky term. But it's connection with people. It's laughing. But to me, fulfillment in the most simplistic definition is waking up each morning and being like, I am totally satisfied and happy with what I'm about to undertake today. And it's going to bed and saying, I'm really happy with what I have done today. Tell me how much that costs. Zero. Fuck all. Fuck Nothing. all. Me. But it's one of those things. It's like, we all look at someone else and go, that's what we should aim for. But what yeah. you should aim for is happiness. Yeah. And it sounds wanky. And I know what you're saying. Your happiness does not depend on what you're... You know what you follow on Instagram. If someone's on like in Dubai living the dream, that's not a real life. That is someone going and taking photos in Dubai in a sponsored kind of post. Yeah. Like that's not how you should live your life. You should live your life in a way that makes you happy. And if you can make yourself be happy, it doesn't matter if you are in Dubai. It doesn't matter if you're on Instagram. It doesn't matter if you own a house. It doesn't matter if you don't own a house. It doesn't matter if you've got abs. It doesn't matter if you've got like seventeen shoulders, which is a weird thing that yeah. might. Occur happen to people but like it's just if you can be happy that is the best you can hope for yeah I think one thing that we've been sort of prescribed or given in in this modern life is that materialism and the, the, the sort of gathering of things or material wealth is how you become happy yeah what I would like to 
advice to anybody what changed my life is if you read The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. Has anyone here read it? Oh, yeah, yeah, six times. The premise of The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho, who's an incredible writer who you should investigate and listen to if you are seeking the answers to what is fulfillment and what is happiness. Basically, the the premise of the book is somebody who has... He follows his heart's desire for, for want of a less as we frequently said, wanky term. Yeah. Basically, he he says, do you know what, I'm just going to go do what I want. And, and the, pur- the purpose of it is to say, like, whether you fancy having a coffee or whether you fancy moving to Spain for a year is that you should follow it because your heart knows far better than you because your heart's your intuition. Whatever way you wanted to say, your intuition, your instinct, your gut, whatever. Yeah. You should follow it and whether it's a small scale or a larger scale because it knows where you're going. Essentially, it's connected to your higher self yeah. is, is the sort of premise of what it's explaining. And this boy, he is looking for treasure and that treasure is material wealth or whatever. And he sets out on it and he's like, do you know what? I'm going to... So he basically sells his sheep and he and he ends up learning Arabic and it's something I could relate to because I learn Spanish and all that kind of thing. And he's gone all the way around and um, he gets to all the way to Egypt. Yeah. And he has a dream about finding this treasure which is buried underneath the sand and then he ends up getting it wrong and he ends up going all the way back to his home village where he finds underneath a church which is all this gold treasure which makes him a really rich man. Yeah. And the whole point is that everything is completely within you and you have to look within yourself to whatever you you truly aspire for or whatever you really want to be doing. Um, you know, and, and it's all kind of within. And read the fucking book. Paolo Coelho is cleverer than me, and he can communicate that better than I can. That seems like a positive note to finish the podcast on, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for coming in. You guys can check out Sean McDonald on Twitter if you want your cunt punched in, uh, and definitely check out his Blared podcast. He's got some of the best guests in Scotland on there, and having some of the most honest, frank, and really, really engaging conversations that I've heard in a long time. Uh, cheers for listening guys Have a good one We're off to drink some beer in an Irish bar Bottle beer that is Except from Shane who's having the dirty pint That was Drunk Therapy If you enjoyed this podcast Go listen to some of the other ones The old you would have If you're on socials Like us there as well Twitter, Facebook and Instagram At Drunk Therapy It's something weird on Twitter Which I can't remember right now